0: Hi, welcome to the 11th episode of the Customer Support Podcast, and this is your host, Sandeep Jain. In this podcast, we invite thought leaders from customer support function from both B2B and B2C companies so that you can learn about challenges, opportunities, and best practices around setting up a world-class support organization. Today's podcast is about B2B support, and our guest is Bernie Kassar. Bernie has 20 plus years experience in enterprise software and 12 plus years experience in customer support. And currently, he's the chief customer officer at Exactly. Now, if you don't know, Exactly is an enterprise SaaS company that provides software around sales performance management and incentive compensation. Exactly used to be a public company, but they were taken private in 2017 by Vista Equity Partners. They're headquartered in San Jose, California. Prior to exactly, Bernie held leadership positions at Mixpanel, where he was SVP of Customer Success and Services, and Calidus Software, which is now acquired by SAP, where he was a leader in business development and global alliances. With that, I would like to extend a very warm welcome to Bernie. Bernie, welcome to the show. Uh, good morning, and, and thank you for having me today. Absolutely. So buddy you started your journey not in support but in something else can you can you just tell us about how you came into support
1: Sure it's a, it's a little bit different background than most I actually grew up in sales that was my my first role in high tech and from there it developed into a at the, at the time we were selling on premise software and it developed into creating a new organization uh, and new role, which was customer advocacy. So that was my first foray into support and and really focusing on customers post-sales. But over the course of my career, I've had the um, what I would call luxury uh, of being in a number of different roles. Uh, It's really given me a different perspective on the business, but between sales, customer advocacy, classic customer success support, which is what we're talking about today, uh, and business development alliances, and a little bit of field marketing, it uh, it has been a different journey than most support leaders. And as we talk through uh, different um, com- uh, conversation points and questions today, uh, I'll I'll lend the um, the wisdom of why that experience has been beneficial, at least in, in my, uh, my career.
0: Sounds great. So let, let's start off with this thing. So uh, Bernie, a lot of companies I speak with, you know, they have the roles of uh, VP customer support, SVP customer support, but a few, only a few companies have this role of Chief Customer Officer. So could you, could you talk about when should the CEO start thinking about having this role in the company?
1: I think focus on the customer, especially early days. If you're a a startup, is um, is is critical. And then as you mature as an organization and you start having siloed functions like support, like success, like renewals teams, things of that nature, you can start identifying processes for those different groups. So, where I think uh, chief customer officer comes into play is you're going to have your operational departments that I just spoke about, once you start breaking those out and you need somebody to now start focusing on the customer experience or the customer journey, starting all the way from the beginning where a prospect comes in as a lead. So really in the marketing stage uh, before it even moves to sales, when you need somebody to start looking at that whole customer experience of, how a customer finds out about you. Once they find out, how do you sell to them? What does that sales process look like? All the way to enabling them and then supporting them post-sales post, uh, post sales experience, post-implementation is where that chief customer officer uh, comes into play. So it's not just giving a label to a, a senior VP that owns all these functions um, that are post-sales. It's somebody that really has a matrix view of the full customer journey or the customer experience so that they can talk to the CEO, talk to the different peers and leaders uh, of those groups about how the process looks from the customer's lens and what their experience is all about. That's when it becomes not just a title, but an actual function that's uh, taking care of the customer from start to finish
0: that's great bernie and so you talked about you know the getting from a lead to uh, or a prospect lead and account so does the marketing also come into this role or is it an independent function
1: it's definitely an independent function uh, even sales is an independent function under uh, un, under my watch here it's more about understanding how the cust or at the time the prospect that you want to turn into a customer what their what their view is of your company and how that process looks. So it's not as important in the marketing and sales journey, but you need to know what those steps are so that once they become a customer, if you have a really good process, you want to be able to match that same experience and brand um, to to the post- sales experience. So trying to stay consistent is what I'm looking for in, in that whole uh, process. So if they had a great experience during the sales process, let's have that same experience with onboarding, that same look and feel. And if you can use some of the same solutions uh, that they're used to, um, that's, that's the idea is to have the consistency throughout the whole process.
0: Actually, that makes sense now when you're talking about this, because marketing is looking through their lens, then sales is looking at it through their lens, but who is making sure that there is a consistent view uh, that the customer has for the company, and, and probably that falls into into this role. Uh, is there any specific example that sort of comes to your mind about how, uh, how that unified view helped sort of bringing that unified customer experience?
1: Yeah, I think... Most of it comes down to
0: documentation of
1: processes. So if you're looking, as you grow and mature as a company, you obviously start documenting the different processes you have from what is considered a lead and when does that get turned over to a sales individual. Most of my experience has been in enterprise software. So I'll be speaking to organizations that are set up to to support the enterprise our business supports uh, all three areas of uh, the marketplace, which is SMB, uh, the mid-market, which we call commercial, and then enterprise, which the way we define those is is companies larger than 5,000 employees. Other uh, segmentation can be done by revenue, employees, there's a lot of different ways of doing it. But to answer your, your question specifically, it's as you mature, and your organization gets larger it's really documenting the different processes and the key the the key example would be the handoff so in a sales cycle you have different folks that become part of that sales cycle from the sales rep bringing in an SE a sales engineer to do a demonstration for example Then at some point you need to bring in professional services or a partner, talk about enablement or implementation. And then after the deal closes, how do you hand it off to whomever is going to to start the project? So if you look at those different uh, processes and different handoffs, an example would be how do you document the specific handoffs? What sort of information do you wanna pass on to the next group that's taking over? And going back to the consistency that I talked about, it's once you go post-sales, how do you keep that knowledge transfer happening with your professional services department or even harder, an outside organization, uh, a partner organization that's going to do the implementation? How do you make sure the customer's not repeating themselves throughout that whole process of setting up Setting up a system that allows for information to flow throughout those handoffs, um, as well as continue after the customer goes live and now they're in production, how do they not have to repeat themselves again now to a new support organization or the customer success team? So that's uh, that's part of the consistency I'm talking about with really identifying the customer experience slash journey and the different handoffs uh, across the way.
0: Thank you for sharing this, Bernie. That sort of reminds me, in my conversations with actually sales leaders and support leaders, this, uh, this handoff issue, particularly between post-sales and uh, professional support, uh, which is the, the team that helps in setting up the product, uh, that was the number one issue that came out. Because sales sold something else or whatever they thought that needs to be sold. Customer thought something else and the professional support has a different view. So how does these three parties have the same view of what is being sold and what is required? Uh, That was actually told to me as number one problem, especially in terms of handoff.
1: I think that's a a classic problem in a lot of organizations. Um, When it comes down to it, it's the culture of that sales organization that really leads the way of how things are sold and how much, um, how much grayness versus black and white when it comes to functionality and features. And I, I've been in the sales role, so there is, um, there is a part of painting what the picture could look like and, and just being very clear on what is available today, what is potentially coming in the roadmap and then the really future stuff of what you aspire to do. And if some of the tactical stuff to really help with that is really the documentation process of, let me give you an example of you're about to create an SOW that's gonna highlight the deliverables, is you have the customer share in that journey where they fill out a survey and they answer a lot of the questions that then gets turned over to the PS or partner implementation group that, that's going to do the work and they create the SOW based off of that document. And so once the SOW is created, it's being driven by what the customer stated they needed and had in, in their um, access or availability to data and things of that nature. The other thing that is um, Becoming much more common with uh, the the use of Zoom and being in being running a lot of your demos uh, remotely is the ability to ask the customer if you can record the presentation because most likely some of the people that were invited or later in the process they'll want to share it with somebody else is having that uh, artifact of that recording, which helps not only the salespeople go back and, and review what was covered in that demonstration slash meeting with the, the discovery part of the meeting, but it helps the other organizations to be able to also hear it directly from the customer, what their pain points are and challenges. And that starts creating, Creating a, a clarity that you can't you can't really argue about when you, the customer is saying you said this. And you say, well, actually, let's pull it back up, and you don't want to go into that, but at least you have confidence of what was actually shared and, and talked about. That's that's something very tactical, but um, we're finding uh, to be useful in, in future scenarios to not only identifying needs and requirements, but also talking to the customer about what was actually shared.
0: Awesome. Well, this is a great example. And actually one last point on this sales is using, of course, Salesforce or something like that, a Salesforce automation software, but professional services, they use something else. Do you think the, the disparity in sort of tools is a part of the problem? And if so, is there a way that you see them working on the same tools so that, you know, even the Zoom video that or the call that was recorded, it's, it's on the same platform where a sales and a professional services person has access to? Yeah, I think um,
1: Salesforce has made it a lot easier uh, over the course of time. We are a big Salesforce shop. So our uh, as we you know, talk about our technology stock, uh, you'll, you'll see that we have uh, a lot of Salesforce in our environment. It can create a little bit of issue, but in today's day and age, if you choose to go uh, to a different platform, most of them, or I should say, if you're going to do this, you should just be looking for the uh, the open APIs and the uh, connections between the software so you can have a more seamless uh, seamless process or seamless view of the customer depending on which department you're in. So I, I think it matters less uh, with today's technology. but if uh, if possible, staying on one platform or standardizing on one platform, um, can help uh, tremendously, but as I started uh, the with the integration that's available today, I think it's a matter of how you look at the overall process, where you make the integrations, and and make it available for the, the different departments to to have access to the same information.
0: Got it, Bernie. Can you tell us a little bit more about your organization? Like, what are the functions reporting into you? And you earlier talked about the kind of customers uh, you're, you're supporting, but how does that reflect into what kind of organization you have?
1: Yeah. Well, today the way we're set up is uh, for, for my specific function, I have a matrix view over the whole customer experience, customer journey. But then specifically when it comes to operational groups, I have the customer success organization, as well as the renewals team so there's a a definite um revenue component which is probably the largest component because you're renewing the business that's been sold uh by sales we don't uh sales really doesn't get involved with the renewal process as much unless there's uh add-on business or a a bigger opportunity to discuss um so the majority of the, the renewals come through there Then um, right next to it, a different function, but I also own the Global Alliances team. So this team consists of three areas of focus. The ISVs that we work with, uh, like Workday, Salesforce, NetSuite, companies like that. The SIs, the system integrators that implement our solutions. So companies like Accenture. Uh, and And then all the boutiques that uh, specifically play in sales performance management. So the folks that are actually implementing uh, solutions or providing strategic consulting fall into to that category. And then the last area within alliances and business development is that business development function. So looking at new channels that we can, Really, partner with, with other organizations to expand our reach. And those business development functions could be regional. If you want to move to a different part of the world and you don't want to set up a whole new office, but you want folks with experience in that region or resell of products because it's a nice complementary fit for another company, things of that nature. So, right now, that's my um, operational uh, view of uh, uh, within Exactly. And then the other uh, part that we're talking about today, I have close relationships with our DevOps team, as well as our support team uh, that's managed um, by a SVP that owns uh, professional services support and education.
0: Got it. And, and did you say, Bernie, that your success team and renewals team are, are separate?
1: They are, they are. For a long time, uh, you know, they were, one unit where an individual did uh, both functions, but um, as we matured and grew, we separated the uh, the teams or okay. actually separated the roles into two teams is probably better stated.
0: Understood, and uh, that that was actually was my next question around how to structure customer success. You know, sometimes it's a pure advisory role, sometimes it's a quota-carrying role, uh, but it looks like in your case, it's it's purely an advisory role.
1: Right now it is, but we have a, a very sharp lens, and this is just my personal uh, preference and opinion, to make these roles more valuable to the organization is keeping them focused on not only customer staff, but the revenue is important. When we first started the organization of customer success, the role consisted of three main responsibilities. One was customer adoption, but they also, because of the relationship they built, they owned the renewal. And for the most part, when we were a younger company and didn't uh, have as many products to sell, they also owned the upsell component and worked uh, worked through the, the contract all the way to signature. So as we matured, and started getting a lot bigger and had m- many more products to sell. We broke those into three distinct uh, organizations, and I kept two out of the three. We took the cross-sell, upsell, and put that into sales, and we have a specific group that you can call them customer account managers, and, and they're responsible to selling back into the customer base. And then the two groups I kept were customer success and renewals and they, uh, they naturally broke out into adoption. But on the customer success side with adoption, they're also looking for opportunities to now hand over to the CAMs that I just talked about, whether it's new products, whether it's an expansion into a new division or new geography. We are giving them the lens of not only giving the customer what they need, with the value of the software they've invested in, but also figuring out, how do we tell the story of we offer a lot more than what you're using and getting the sales folks involved with educating the customer on the broader experience that they could be having with exactly. And then the renewals function has really become more transactional where the other two are built off of relationships.
0: Interesting. No, thanks for getting into this uh, because that's one of the – uh, the hot areas or hot button areas, I should say, uh, in terms of how to structure these different groups. So thank you for getting into that.
1: Yeah, you bet. It's, uh, I think it's just a matter of evolution. And just when it comes down to it, the amount of resources that a company has and where to invest your money. So to have the function is goal number one. If they wear multiple hats at the beginning, it's it's great. It actually helps you define where the cutoff lines could be for the different roles and then as you mature grow uh, make more money you can uh, create uh, those lines of distinction between the roles
0: great and now changing gears and coming into support uh, could you and you alluded to that a little bit earlier but could you talk about what' your support uh, tool stack looks like today and, and you said earlier it's centered around salesforce but I'm looking into like sure. what's- contact center, case management, search, uh, knowledge management?
1: Yeah. So our, our stack right now looks like, uh, looks like this. We, As I mentioned, we use Service Cloud from, from Salesforce, but we've built some solutions as well as acquired some companies that use Zendesk, and there's a nice integration between Zendesk and Salesforce, so we have that in our environment as well. We use um, Chorus. Uh, for our community, which uh, recently changed their name. It used to be Lithium um, for, for a long time. We also use, uh, we're starting off with a new solution that hasn't been fully implemented yet, but we're using a solution called Kite, which is gonna help us with search across all of our enterprise applications. So we're excited to, to get that deployed. But we've also been a long time user of Gainsight as well from the customer success point of view and giving them a platform. To work in day in and day out for contact center, uh, I think that really falls into Service Cloud. We also use Ring Central for our our phone capabilities since we have a global shop uh, across the um, across the world. But those are the main ones that I'll I'll point out for um, for our for our organization.
0: Got it. And when you look at this entire technology tool stack, I know you earlier talked about connectors and, and making these softwares talk to each other, but could you point out any, are there any big challenges right now in terms of how you see this technology stack playing out in terms of what, how your customers expect you to do your business? Do you think there are opportunities for improvement? Uh, like if if some vendors are listening to this podcast, they might have a they might get some ideas around how to to restructure what they're doing.
1: Yeah. I think the key is the the open API. So as, as vendors look at how they deploy their software is the ability to speak to other packages or in, integrate easily. I think one area that we're looking at, uh, and it's probably answering uh, a question that you might have in the uh, later part of this podcast, but where where is support going it's really being able to have enough data to anticipate what the customer's need is from a support point of view and so having the interoperability between the different applications is key and being able to tie all of that into a, a 360 view and for us right now we're using Gainsight but we're always um, optimizing what does that look like? so so that you have the ability to connect the different areas or different functions. And at any given time, those functions provide the health score. Uh, because as, as a customer goes through the sales cycle and then gets transitioned to an enablement engagement or implementation engagement, there there's those natural handoffs that I talked about earlier of which group now has lead on the customer but how do you figure out what the temperature and the health of the customer as they go through these different phases uh, until they get into production so that you have uh, a really good understanding of where the customer is on their journey but also what their temperature is as they go through that journey so that you're protecting against any sort of dissatisfaction or The worst case, uh, any sort of churn, whether it's um, giving uh, concessions because something's taking too long or things of that nature. So going back to your original question about what vendors can be looking out for, it's really being able to work with the other other solutions that are out there and and complementing each other versus trying to replace in, in certain cases.
0: And to your point about this customer three sixty you know that's everybody sort of needs this thing about who my customer is, how much they are spending, how much they are planning to spend next year, what is their current product usage looks like, uh, what is their temperature looks like in terms of cases they have that they have filed, the frequency and that not that has not yet been solved. but do you think that true customer three sixty view exists today in terms of where you would like to see it?
1: No, it does. I think if you um, if you take the time to really understand what are the key areas that that you want to focus on and which uh, with the lens of each group, so from a sales aspect, obviously, they want to know what is the current revenue, what products are owned, and what is the white space of things that I could potentially sell to this customer, that's one part of the view. From a support aspect, if they get a ticket and a customer is really hot about something, being able to look at what I just talked about is like, oh, well, we got to solve this quickly because they're also looking at these different solutions from us. There's a couple of opportunities open, and you know how quickly we get through this case is going to help our sales team um, be able to achieve uh, hopefully a successful successful deal. And then once you're on the success side, being able to look and see how many open tickets there are, which products they're not using, so that you can start promoting those to turn them back into sales, um, as well as from the professional services side when they're engaged in a project, just having that different view. They all, usually, or in a lot of the the, uh, companies that I've spoken to, their lens is just that lens. It's support just cares about cases, getting them in, getting uh, getting them closed, and, and getting out. But if they look at the bigger picture, um, they can handle things a little bit differently because they understand what's at risk for sales or what's happening from the success point of view and things of that nature. So it definitely exists today. Can it be better? Absolutely. But I think with all the solutions that I mentioned, you can do a great job of connecting the dots and providing a, a really solid 360 for each department.
0: Got it. And, uh, Bernie, what are the metrics that are important for you in your current role?
1: So, from my point of view, we're looking at, from a success point of view, the, the number one metric, and it's a company metric, is uh, the ability to manage churn and, and making sure that our, our customers are, are with us for a very long time. So there's that retention piece of it and being able to look at the revenue retention. The Once you get a little bit deeper, when I turn such a broad uh, concept, it's being able to break it out by non-renewals and why going into discount downgrades where a company reduces their spend and, and, and really figuring out what are the particulars that are adding up to that overall churn number so you have an action plan by each of them if you're giving out too much discounts why is that is it because the implementation isn't going well it's taking too long are there things that are happening once they're in production with the satisfaction with the software whether it's uptime things of that nature really being able to track those separately is an important metric um, for my organization. The second part is really understanding the health score, so understanding who who's in the red, who's in the yellow, who's in the green, to to simplify it, so you know where to focus your energies as a a group. And when I say group, it's customer success being able to identify a production customers at risk, and then getting the different groups involved that can help get them out of risk. Um, those are really two of the main metrics I look at. If you look at it from a support point of view, there's your classic um, time to close, your backlog of tickets, the, the days they're open, the different severity tickets we look at. Uh, also, another key metric is coverage. So as your customer base expands, do you have enough heads in every office to, to really be able to manage the, the workflow and the, the backlog of tickets? So Those are some of the key ones uh, from a support point of view. i for for this purposes of this conversation, there's obviously metrics uh, and that i that I look at from the business development alliances side. The ones that are specific to this conversation is the quality of our Uh, system integrators. And really that falls into a couple of camps. One is enablement, getting their their resources enabled and certified so that they can work with our customers and they feel comfortable that they've been trained properly. But then once that happens, the revenue that these partners are helping produce together, obviously you have alliances and partners to Expand your footprint in the marketplace and delivering quality solutions, but also how do you get more recognition out there and and develop more business? So those are two key metrics that would tie into this conversation.
0: Great. Actually, thank you for doing a 360 on the metrics, not just from a support perspective, but uh, from from your perspective as as a chief customer officer, where you're looking at different roles. So this is interesting. But I didn't hear you say NPS. Is 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 that something that you look at, or what's your thoughts about that?
1: Absolutely. Uh, that was just a, a missed point. I, customer sat in general. We do a couple of uh, different things from specific customer surveys on products, uh, but we also run our MPS every two months. And the way we do it is we survey a sixth of our customer base every two months. So by the end of the year, every customer has been hit once, but we're also doing it every two months so we can get the, the feel of what's happening in the customer base with their experience. So NPS is a key component um, for for our metrics uh, on the customer success side and just overall. And then the the different surveys are usually focused on a specific function. So we work closely with product management if they're trying to gather specific information about products and things of that nature.
0: Got it. I really like the way that you do your NPS survey where you divide your customer into different groups and uh, so that they are not, hitting with, getting hit with a lot of surveys, but you want to cover all your customers as well. So in an year, you have covered everybody. So I like this way of uh, uh, small groups, but cover them in the entire year.
1: Yeah, I think we've all received surveys and they can sometimes start looking like a nuisance if you're getting too many of them to um, throughout the year. So breaking it up like this, we've gotten good feedback and we also get a good pulse of what's happening with the customer. Use um, two solutions, and I missed one solution when we were talking about our stack because it's more on the customer success versus support side, but we use Gainside for the NPS, but we also use Pendo, um, who's, which is a, a new vendor to us, but it, it's really about uh, being able to do NPS at scale within the app. So it's uh, it's been a nice addition to our our technology stack, and we're excited to expand our usage of that.
0: Got it. And on that note, Bernie, could you share some of the best practices? I don't know if you've talked about uh, a couple earlier, but could you share some of the best practices, innovations, or hacks in your role that you think helped your team becoming more efficient, customers becoming more happy?
1: Yeah, I think the one of the key things is just your internal meetings and how you set up um, cross-functional meetings. We have... Uh, We have a few meetings that happen during the week. Uh, One is called uh, our Chi meeting, which is Customer Health Index, CHI. And uh, during the Chi meeting, hopefully it's pretty zen and everybody's happy, but (laughs) that's not the case. It's, um, what we do in that meeting is we have all the different department heads from support, professional services, operations, success, and we've covered all of them. to really focus on what is happening this week with the customer base, are there any things uh, urgent? And it's a much more tactical meeting, but it, it really addresses the, what's happening. And I, I think a lot of organizations, it, it takes a while for them to function in a way that they're talking to each other in a more consistent basis, uh, on a weekly basis, and, and really being able to work together on, on that uh, on that front. We have a second meeting that's uh, it's actually called CFT, which is called, it's our cross-functional um, team meeting. And that one is more focused on, we do a little bit of tactical review of metrics, but it's also focused on more strategic initiatives that are happening. And when I say strategic, it could be a month, two months, six months, 12 months out. But it's keeping that group completely informed where it includes our engineering heads and DevOps folks on what's coming with maintenance what's uh, what are some of the big challenges we're trying to solve with how we roll out our our maintenance so that one's more of a strategic and that also happens on a on a weekly basis just the topics are a little bit broader and are a little bit long-term but I think that in itself is one hack of really keeping your team's focused and understanding and making it a discipline that that's a meeting that you just can't miss because it keeps everybody uh, in tune with with what's happening. Then your classic reporting where you have the ability to report to the whole organization. We use, uh, I've talked about the different tools, but we also use Slack as a communication tool and setting up the different channels um, for these groups has really helped us stay on top of communication and, and being able to make people aware of what's important and what's happening at, at any given time.
0: Got it. And Bernie, what are your current top uh, priorities uh, for this uh, the next twelve months, and how are they tied to the, the challenges that you're having uh, or, or you see in, in the organization? So
1: right now, we're we're going through. Of our our customer journey, it's uh, it's actually very uh, very interesting. It's very unique where we have the the whole company involved in this process, where the different department heads uh, are engaged in it. And what we're doing is just optimizing. I, I gave a couple examples, but from from my point of view, the areas that I'm really interested in these initiatives is. Optimizing our 360, so our view of the customer, and giving more access to the broader organization. So we're looking at what we have today and where we want to be. So that's a, that's a major initiative on, on that side. One that specifically hits the customer is we made a big investment in our partner organization and, and really expanding our reach with as we have become a much more global organization expanding our reach in different regions and making sure that we have the proper system integrators in place. I spoke uh, briefly about uh, Accenture, uh, ATG, and there's other um, boutique companies out there, but putting in the infrastructure that we've always had in the place, but taking it to the next level so that these companies can be successful side by side with us. So those are two major initiatives of uh, expanding that ecosystem as well as uh, just focusing on our internal processes and, and tools to make sure that we're keeping up with our, our growth. We're moving at a really fast pace right now. As we've acquired a number of companies and brought on new products, our success is you, know, you have to stay ahead of your success so you can uh, plan to, to scale.
0: Got it. And Bernie, for any uh, product entrepreneurs listening to this podcast, uh, do you have any sort of guidance around the white space around uh, the potential innovation that could happen in the space of customer support, customer success?
1: Well, there's a, it seems like every day there's a new solution <laughs> that that I'm getting an email about um, with regards to reducing support tickets or reducing churn. So there's a, a lot of things out there. I think if you're, Passionate about something in this space I would really be focusing on and this is a, kind of a an obvious answer but really be focusing on a problem that you potentially experienced yourself if you were a support or success leader and you've been at a couple different organizations and you keep seeing a specific issue that needs to be solved um, that provides that real-world aspect but I think the hardest part in, in coming up with new solutions is figuring out, is this a, a feature that should be part of another solution? Or is it actually a brand new product that hasn't been put out in the marketplace? And so using that lens of trying to decide, okay, do I really want to do this? Or is somebody going to, should this just be a feature to, a, to a, another solution set? And then finally, if you've just figured out, hey, this is a product, and right now I'm not going to give you any specifics of things that are missing in our world, but if there's a product that you've identified because of uh, an experience, then the question becomes, can I build a company around this? Uh, Over time, with that vision, can I add additional products to the original flagship product that's going to launch your company? to To make it into a, a company that's a standalone uh, versus uh, just a one hit wonder type product.
0: Got it, got it. And Bernie, with this, uh, we are towards the end of our podcast here now. Now, before we go, would you share any like business books that you really liked uh, over the course of your career, and that you would recommend the audience to to look into?
1: Sure, I really like Malcolm Gladwell. It's not a um, a technical read by any means, uh, but a lot of his uh, books uh, have opened my eyes to different ways of looking at things, like Tipping Point. Um, just the way to look at—I like to look at things at a more um, at a higher level uh, and, and really understanding what helps um, make things happen. Um, a lot of his books really cover off on that. I also like biographies. Um, most recent one I read, uh, I'll give you three of the ones that I've read in the past few years that that have some good insight. One is the the Steve Jobs book, big book, but it's it's good. Most recent one I read was um, Shoe Dog, and it, it talks about Nike and how that was created as a as a company and how it became the brand that it is today and there's a lot of learnings in there from uh, how to build a company to they talk about support issues and it's just an interesting read on uh, on how that company came about and then the other one is book on on Elon Musk so talk about pushing uh, all the boundaries with trying to create a whole new industry from electric cars to go into space Uh, just a very unique individual and being able to get a lens into the way he thinks all all three of those were were fascinating reads
0: awesome actually these are very three different books but I can see that uh, they can provide a very interesting view about how to do what you do I guess yeah I think
1: there's business books out there that are technical in nature for something specific but For me personally, being able to understand how somebody actually did it through those biographies is what what really becomes interesting because they give you real world um, failures as well as successes. And I think the the key part is all these folks have had major failures, but uh, they've learned from them and they've overcome and obviously had uh, tremendous success afterwards.
0: That makes sense. Hey, Bernie, thank you so much again for your time today and uh, your interesting comments and uh, advisory around how to uh, run the support success and even the BD thing that you talked about. So thank you very much for your time today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.